0: back to another episode of Movie Rampage. This is episode number nine, recording on May 10th, 2018. <laughs> Did you forget? <laughs> we're talking Infinity War. I, I just, I can't possibly contain it any differently. I can't say anything else before I say that. I just, we're, we're talking Infinity War. We're really freaking excited. It's me. It's Liz. We're, We're doing this.
1: Basically a tiny movie no one's ever heard of. As usual for us, tiny, yeah, tiny no. little indie film. Yeah,
0: Real yeah. No, no one, no one knows anything about that. Not a I, lot I of think. big
1: stars. Um, <laughs> not really making a big splash, really. So sad news.
0: So we are, of course, not the only show, um, but not just on the Random Chatter Network, but like anywhere uh, <laughs> who is talking about this movie. So we are quite honored that you have also chosen our podcast to hear our take on infinity war if if you've listened to us before you kind of know how we break down movies and we're you're gonna hear something very similar to what we usually do um, with it we have talked about it on some other shows we've kind of done some non-spoilery stuff over on random chatter uh we we have the network does have a a Uh, an MCU podcast now. Mm
1: -hmm. Did you know that, Liz? You know what? I heard something about it, uh, mainly Mm. because I'm on it and so are you. So (laughs) I hope we know something
0: about it. Why don't you uh, tell the listeners a a, a little bit about it?
1: So it's called Guardians of the MCU and it is all MCU, all the time, specifically Marvel Cinematic Universe, uh, movies, Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., what we now know, Clark Cloak and Dagger Counts, um, uh, Agent Carter, and basically anything that fits into the MCU, we are talking about it. So our first episode was about mm-hmm. our favorite Marvel movies, and our second episode was d- diving right into Infinity War. So we went, we sort of did a different take on it over there, which I love, that we have all, so many different ways to talk about it. We talked about story arcs. Um, over there, mainly to start, and we only got through three characters, mm-hmm. so <laughs> there's yeah. so much to talk about that's what's lovely about it. And we can basically you know span across all the <clears throat> podcasts in such different ways. so we'll be going deep into like the movie itself I mean well, that could mean a lot of things too, but um, we really didn't get very far in, in Guardians of the MCU, but it's a good start. And that one's really only for the MCU. So we're going to spend a lot of time talking about it.
0: Yeah. A lot of detail over there. Uh, I mean, that was like Infinity War part one of 73 or something.
1: Yeah. Yeah.
0: I, I just, you know, we're only going to spend one episode on it here in Movie Rampage. Uh, and then, uh, you guys in, um, Fangirl confessional are talking about it. I assume
1: we will be talking about it in Fangirl. Yes, um, I'm not sure what take we'll have on it. it. Might just be general impressions, but yeah, we'll be talking about it too.
0: Okay, um, I know April and Jay have no ideas. Just released their spoiler-filled uh, review of Infinity War, and so you know, lots of people across the whole network talking about it. Plus, obviously, other shows outside the network. So there's you're you're able to get a lot of different takes, a lot of different perspectives. It was just such a fun movie and filled with so much. And it's been neat just like for the last week or so, listening to some different shows that have talked about it. And it's, I mean, the, the movie is two hours and 40 minutes long and it doesn't stop. I mean, it just keeps going and going and going, <clears throat> excuse me, through that whole period of time. So
1: in the best way.
0: Oh yeah, definitely yeah. in the best way. So it's like, No matter what review you're listening to, you're bound to hear something new. You're going to hear a different take. You're going to hear some discussion on a detail that either you didn't pick up on or like you didn't think it was that important, but it was important to someone else or it did jump out to them or they realized the connection that it has to something else. And it's just, it's awesome to hear all these different reviews.
1: Yeah, there's so many different perspectives and so many different Thoughts on it, and a lot of people loved it. I've, a lot of people I've talked to have loved it, but some people didn't like it, you know. So, there's that perspective too. I don't think you'll hear that here, but no,
0: <laughs> you will no, no, not no. be
1: hearing that here.
0: <laughs> yeah, I, I think everyone knows we are both big fans. Um, I've seen it twice. Have you, how many times have you seen it?
1: I've seen it twice. Um, okay. I intend to see it more, but first, I want to go back through and watch the whole MCU again um, before I do because. I watched, well, I've talked about this in the other ones, but I've watched Cap, the Cap trilogy since seeing it the second time. And mm-hmm. watching it after Infinity War, watching any of the movies after Infinity War, it has such a new flavor to it. And a new, just knowing what you, you know, you go back and if I knew what I knew then, you know, that it has those eyes to it. Which is really cool and heartbreaking and nuanced and different than what I watched them before. So it's really cool going back and rewatching. Again, (laughs) Yeah, it it really
0: is. It's um, something really amazing about this is even more so than the previous Avengers movies, more so than Captain America Civil War. This movie really brings in details from the other films. And it's not just that the other films build to this, but there are really specific things that happen or things that are referenced or things that are mentioned in the other films that like didn't seem to be relevant at the time they weren't brought up again and then suddenly they're relevant in this and it's like wow that's that's really neat so then you go back and you watch these things uh, I mean I just rewatched uh, Thor Ragnarok and you know it's, it's amazing just the little things that they mention in Ragnarok something I realized <clears throat> in this rewatch of Ragnarok that I didn't pick up on before was very, very early on Thor mentions that he did spend some time kind of going around the galaxy looking for those different colored infinity stone things, but he didn't find any.
1: Yeah, well, because if- uh, <laughs> like, That's in Age how of- he
0: couches that.
1: Yeah, because in Age of Ultron, that's what he leaves to go do. Hmm. Um, he leaves the team at the end to go do that. And that's why he's not in Civil War. And then, yeah, at the beginning of that, oh, those those stones that I couldn't find.
0: (laughs) Yeah, and it's so. I mean, it's so funny. So it's like, yeah, not only that he was doing it, but then also that he couldn't find anyone. And he's any of them, and he's one of like the most powerful beings out there. And so it's like, really, you weren't looking that hard.
1: Also, ones on (laughs) your planet, bro. Yeah, yeah. So really, so.
0: I don't know that we mentioned this, but obviously, uh, as with all of our shows, like major spoilers, we are diving into all the details here of of Infinity War. And um, we're also obviously, as we've already been doing, we're going to be, I think, making some random connections to the other MCU movies to say, oh, well, remember when this happened in this movie. And then that's why it's relevant in Infinity War. Because there was just so much of that, it really is like this huge culmination of events and characters and everything, everything. Yeah. It's just kind of mind blowing.
1: Yeah, and it's and um, you know it's worth reiterating. It's not like you don't know at this point everybody, but this is ten years of this. You know, it's mm-hmm. we've been watching this for ten years, and that's such. It's amazing to me that. Like, especially like what, how everything started with Robert Downey Jr. Basically in his like renaissance, like return, you know, because yeah. the 80s, Robert Downey Jr. Sort of had his whole falling out and mm-hmm. um all of that drugs and everything. And sort of he had gone into indies and was in a couple things here and there. But this was really his resurgence into oh, yeah. Hollywood. And I think taking a gamble on him paid off. I mean, he's an excellent actor. But even like seeing his progression and who he's become out of this role is amazing too, who, how they all have. But he, I feel like having watched him in the eighties and then to knowing him now as an actor and a public person, mm-hmm. his, yeah. his journey has been incredible. And we've gotten to be a part of that from day one. Um, those of us have been watching since 2008, but I love that. I love that there's so much going on behind the scenes and behind off screen with the characters and with all of that. Like we were talking about on random chatter that the cast got um, a tattoo with the six and <laughs> a bunch of the symbols yeah. mixed together. So five of the core six Avengers got that minus Mark Ruffalo. And that that just goes to show how much this means to them as much as it means to us, which is really cool to see and such and so unique, I think in Hollywood because it's business and it's work, but this has become a family and we feel that that's why we, that's why we feel this way about the Marvel universe. Why I do is because it really does feel like a meshed family that like is, it makes me think of how Carrie and um, Mark Hamill felt about each other, you know, um, for so long as siblings on screen and they really exuded that in person. That's just how that feels, which is why it sort of transcends just being a movie. It's really like an experience
0: it yeah it, it's really true because you you see and it's fun to watch a lot of these actors on social media because when they do get together the interactions that they have they spend so much time on set with each other and clearly a fair amount of time off set that they just they get along really well together you know so it's it's just it's it's really neat it's it's uh, it's really fun to see that and it's fun to watch them do the press events and that kind of stuff where They're just there as people, you know, we're not seeing the characters, we're seeing them there as people, and and we're seeing them, you know, getting along and all that. And uh, yeah, I mean, this whole, the MCU has done incredible things for these actors. The vast majority of them had careers predating the MCU, but the MCU films have really launched them.
1: Yeah, into like next level like oh, a yeah, list, yeah. you know, everything. So Yeah.
0: I, I mean, you know, Robert Downey Jr. like you mentioned kind of got his professional redemption and was also, you know, personally basically able to get his personal life back on track, which is fantastic. And, you know, actors like Chris Hemsworth, Chris Hemsworth and Mark Ruffalo and Tom Holland, well, no, Tom Holland fairly new. Yeah. Tom Tom Hiddleston rather have had careers before the MCU. But as soon as they took these roles, all of a sudden it's like, wow, their careers have skyrocketed. And then you have other, you know, great actors, Scarlett Johansson, who has had a great career before the MCU. And then she got into this and this just like boosted her even more. And Don Cheadle, same thing. Um, Benedict Cumberbatch, you know, who's one of the newest additions to the MCU has had a stellar career and he's highly in demand. And, you know, it was just kind of cool to see him come in as a, um, I think a lot of people were kind of expecting the the Sherlock moment when uh, he and, and Robert Downey Jr. were on set together and in the movie together. You know, they almost expected some little mention of Sherlock or some little Easter egg, but it didn't happen, which is kind of too bad.
1: Well, you, but you get like, but you get a, you get a sense of that almost in their interaction without it needing to be said or or called out. Because they do butt heads and they're sort of like, I wrote, I was writing for uh, an article for the Marvel Report and I was talking about Doctor Strange and his origin story is super similar to Tony's. He's Mm -hmm. a cocky, goatee wearing, like, you know, white dude with money and power Mm -hmm. and everything at his fingertips. And when that's taken away, whether it's by terrorists for Tony's case or an accident that ruins his hands in Dr. Strange's case, Mm -hmm. the journey that they go on is what they have to do to become a better person. So they're very, very similar, even just in the MCU, um, in the storyline of their origin stories, which is interesting. So for them to have that in common, also, I've played Sherlock Holmes, basically be very similar um, status and, you know, in Hollywood, they're very equal in mm-hmm. like, likeability and higher ability and status. So they're very, very much mirror images of each other, but they're coming. So for them to butt heads is amazing and correct. Oh, because yeah. When you meet someone who's exactly like you, you either become best friends with them immediately or more often than not, you're threatened by seeing the exact same thing in the mirror. Yeah, um, and that's what you get out of that interaction.
0: Yeah, which was definitely the first two thirds of of these two interacting. I mean, we saw right in the first act Doctor Strange calling Tony Stark a douchebag. Yeah,
1: they were so, not having it.
0: <laughs> yeah, I mean that's you know that's how, but but then once they kind of got through things and once they got to Titan, they realized what not only their powers were and how they could help in this, but they also knew they had to work together. It seems, I mean, not to jump ahead, I guess, like really toward the end, but it certainly seems that Dr. Strange, the the one future scenario that he saw that resulted in a win had to do with Tony living.
1: Yeah. I mean, that, so that to was me- was jumping all the way.
0: I know. It's, so it's done. I mean, Thanks, folks. Thanks for listening. Uh, <laughs>
1: that's it. That's it. <laughs> Thanks, gang. <laughs> no, but you're right. Like, it is... Um, there. It's interesting how central the two of them have become. It seems that
0: their... The story arcs between Tony and Doctor Strange were pretty much linked together. And, and also, I, I would say Peter's as well, too.
1: Yeah, so well, really, and also... Because the
0: three of them, and they really all... I mean, it makes sense because they all basically left Earth at the same time, the same way, and went to Titan. And they were the core of that team on Titan that was fighting Thanos. So their their arcs were very much related. But Tony's and Doctor Strange were linked even more just because, like you said, they're kind of mirror images of each other.
1: Yeah. Well, and it's one uh, you sort of see in Tony that he would not sacrifice I don't think he would sacrifice Peter for the world. You know what I mean? In a way, I feel like if it came down to it, he might have to, but I don't think Peter would sacrifice the ones he loves for the world. And Dr. Strange is not willing to do anything else. I mean, seemingly Mm -hmm. he did, but we know more than, we know that he didn't um, because he saw the outcomes and we know that that's, he's talking about the end game and he knows what the pieces have to fall into place for that to come about. So even though he says, I will not choose you over saving the time stone, and mm-hmm. he directly contradicts that by giving the time stone to Thanos, we know yep. that um, there is more at play there. So it's interesting that they're mirror images, and yet such different things drive them. Like to, uh, like Dr. Strange's uh, honor to the Sanctum Sanctorum and to the ancient arts of sorcery, are way above Tony's. Uh, Tony doesn't have any honor in the way in that way, which is why he's sort of an opposite of Cap, right? Because yeah. Cap is about honor, and Tony's not about honor. Um, Tony's about well, family and friendship and love. And
0: yes, yeah, and I think that's the root of of, of Tony's honor.
1: And, yeah, and, and it doesn't he, mean he's not he, an honorable person. It just means he doesn't put honor above <clears throat> people.
0: Yeah, and and it's. But also people in the big sense, because he Tony definitely has like this honor toward humanity. I mean, that was the whole driving he force does. between uh, for for him in the first Avengers film, taking the nuke up through the uh, the portal where the uh, um, I can't remember the alien race's name.
1: Chitari. Where he'll, the Chitauri he'll were sacrifice coming himself, through. though. Or, he wouldn't um, sacrifice Peter though.
0: Or no. Cal. No.
1: Or yeah, Pepper he's he's or definitely Pappy. not
0: right. Yeah, I don't think he he would sacrifice other people. And then the same uh, thing for the Genesis of Ultron. He wanted to create Ultron to save everyone, right, from all the evils that are out there, right. Yeah. It. Oh gosh. All right. So see, folks, this is the danger <laughs> of. The the rabbit hole of Infinity War because like we just got sucked in right from the get go and didn't even like do our normal thing so
1: and we have talked about it already together on two other podcasts so we we're sort of you're sort of at a disadvantage in our <laughs> movie <laughs> rampage listeners because we have been talking about it for the whole week and oh, so yeah. we sort of just are like hey remember all the things we already talked about so we do have to back up a little <laughs> fill you oh, in yeah.
0: yeah. <laughs> And then between like Twitter and texting and Discord, Liz and I have been talking about it since like the day after.
1: We have like seven platforms in which we communicate on and we just, it's like a continued conversation between all of them. Yeah. (laughs) We don't even know where we're at in this thing yet. So, we we really don't.
0: (laughs) So, so real quick here, kind of going to what we usually do, uh, ratings, Rotten Tomatoes, 84% from the critics. That's... That's quite a drop. When it first came out, I thought it was like 96, 97.
1: Yeah, you said it was real high, real high. Yeah, it it was pretty high. It's it's always got to level out a little.
0: Yeah, it adjusted down a little bit more than I thought it would. I kind of figured it would settle like in the low 90s. But to settle in the mid 80s was more of a drop than I expected. But the audience redeemed it. The audience has it at 92% on Rotten Tomatoes and the IMDB rating is 8.9 out of 10 so 89% which is that seems a little bit more on on par for me that that critic rating from Rotten Tomatoes at 84 just seems extraordinarily low
1: it does to seem me weird. so but yeah. I, I don't think critics like like a uh, cliff, cliffhanger <laughs> i don't yeah. think they like them
0: Yeah, I I think very much they they kind of might be hung up in the cliffhanger of this because this – I mean, the kind of cliffhanger you got from this is just like the end of the first Lord of the Rings movie where it's like practically mid-sentence. They just stop and you're like, what the hell?
1: Worse than that, I think, because (laughs) the bad guy wins, whereas in Lord of the Rings, you don't have the feeling that you've been defeated. Right, right. There's – Maybe Empire Strikes Back a little bit because you sort of like Vader sort of wins that one, you know. Sure. Um, maybe a little bit, but like this is like the bad guy wins, half the good guys die, the end, goodbye, good night, and the end, and get yeah. out, go away. And yeah. at the end, at the end, and end, just to continue jumping forward and not giving you context. Um, at the very, very end, after the end credit scene, it says Thanos will return, which is like yes. ah! <laughs>
0: <laughs> he's he's not more, done yet
1: this is even more the bad guy wins because it's not like the Avengers will return well they're going to put half the Avengers will return
0: <laughs> well and it was so crazy too this movie every moment of this movie from the very beginning had a different feeling you know you watch you start to watch any Marvel movie and it starts off with their theme song and the flipping of the comic book and that kind of stuff this oh. movie started with no music. Oh. This well, movie started like- silently, and then it goes into the uh, the Asgardian ship, nah. where like there's just death and destruction everywhere, and it, it's like this movie was dead ass serious. There was no messing around in this movie. I mean they they went right into it. It was freaking dark, and it was menacing. And it was, I mean, you're on the edge of your seat, just wait constantly. Like it's one thing after another, you don't have to wait for something bad to happen because it's just one thing after another, after another, they had a really bad freaking day.
1: Yeah. They really don't hold back from that very beginning. That part was like, I was like, Oh, Oh no, no, we're not, we're not getting any like lead in it's straight at the end of Thor Ragnarok. When you see, um, Thanos' Thanos's ship yep. the the Asgardian ship that's where we're basically like 10 minutes later is where we're starting when everything's Exa- gone to hell.
0: Yeah. Yeah, that that was exactly it. My, so, you know
1: my main question here though is where the junk is Valkyrie and Korg. Where are they, Tim?
0: Yeah, uh, Valkyrie Tim. and Korg and it's funny cuz like I said I just recently rewatched um uh Thor Ragnarok and
1: And they're pivotal.
0: Which, like, I kind of forgot about Korg. I knew Valkyrie was oh. with them. And then I watched this. And I'm like, oh, hey, yeah, Korg was there. And he was Kork. so funny. I, hey, man. Hey, man. Um, <laughs>
1: and we said flyers like- for the revolution. <laughs> <laughs> no one came. My mom came.
0: <laughs> and so we didn't see him on the ship. We didn't see Valkyrie on the ship. There seems to be Very a different. giant hole and these guys. The, the folks who do the MCU films don't miss that kind of stuff.
1: No, they don't. So they do not.
0: So I'm seriously wondering what in the world happened to them.
1: Unless it's on purpose, like like they couldn't get Lady Sif, you know, they couldn't get her for, um, for Thor 2 because she was filming. So they basically, or for, for Thor Ragnarok, sorry, for Thor Ragnarok, because because she was filming blind spot so they basically mm-hmm. wrote Jamie Alexander out now that was purposeful they don't just like accidentally this you know brand new movie because the last time we saw Lady Sif was in the dark world so with enough right. time between you're like all right well i get that she hasn't played a pivotal role but like the, uh Valkyrie and Korg were like in the the next to last movie they were like right before black panther they played a huge part yeah and we're so widely accepted and beloved. Like, what?
0: Well, and the thing is, is, I mean, they showed enough dead bodies on the floor. You could have, even if you didn't have, for some reason, if you didn't have Tessa Thompson, you could have made a dead Valkyrie.
1: Yeah, but... Easily
0: enough. That, and No. And certainly, <laughs> Korg was CGI. No. So, you know, you, you could have... But they didn't even do that. So it really makes me think that those characters, they, they did something with those characters, and I don't know what. Now, the interesting thing is is, is that the ship... Oh. Go ahead. So
1: I, just, I just read um, the Russo brothers confirmed that half of the Asgardians are dead and half escaped. Meaning, Korg and Valkyrie have to have been with the half that escaped.
0: Okay. But they so, were all on the same ship together.
1: But it but it was Weren't cut they? in half. If you look at the very beginning, there's it's like two floating pieces.
0: Oh, okay.
1: So that right. that's what I'm getting just from Googling like where the junk was Valkyrie. <laughs> 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 Apparently he answered it in a um it's there's a tweet. I'm gonna tag you guys on it. So if you wanna see it, it's on Twitter. It's tagged to um, movie rampage and to Tim's into mine, so you'll find it. It's in there. So okay, it looks like that's what he's saying. I'm hoping I'm gonna send it to you. This okay. is real time, you guys. This is happening in real time.
0: That's right. <laughs> <laughs> so, so hopefully, then in in Avengers four, we will see both of them return, which would be fantastic.
1: They like better, better.
0: Um. So let's see. Uh, directed by the Russo brothers, Anthony and Joe. Screenplay was written by Christopher Marcus and Stephen McFeely. Uh, Both of these guys have done a handful of other MCU films. And we also found out that there were some of the other writers and directors of the other films who did also do some writing. They were uncredited with some of the writing that they did in this. Uh, But when you take, um, uh, oh gosh, Guardians, uh, writer and director. James Gunn. Yes, thank you. Uh, James Gunn actually wrote the dialogue for the Guardians characters in this movie because uh, yeah, they're which kind I of. Love. I do. I love that they are. They're basically his characters. I mean, he 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 obviously didn't create them in the comics. So we don't mean to to take credit away from the comic creation. Right. But in terms of the films themselves, in terms of the MCU, he created these characters. He brought them to life.
1: He's written their voices so very clearly and accurately.
0: Exactly. Exactly. So it was so great that he did that here in Infinity War because, I mean, we I think we've all seen in different movies when they do sequels and they change directors, they change writers, and you see a character that appears in more than one movie and you're like, wow, this character's like changed. There's I something that- not right about the character. And it's because the writers are different. And so they're writing the dialogue differently. So when you have uh, characters as pivotal as this, that all have their very specific uh, attitudes and perspectives and ways of speaking and, um, and backgrounds. I mean, he knows what the backgrounds of these characters are, even backgrounds that haven't yet been revealed. You know, he's kind of written these backstories in his head. So he knows why they're hurting. He knows where they are in their own individual journeys. And that's what makes these characters.
1: And I think one of the best examples of um, changing uh, voices of characters would be from would be this is from his own, but like Joss Whedon between Avengers one and Avengers two, Like, he really had their voices in the first one. And I feel like in Age of Ultron, he lost them a little. So to have the continuity, I mean, that's from the same director, Mm -hmm. you know. And then, you know, that's a weird example because it is the same person. But but that can show that even the same person can lose a voice. But to have somebody have such a clear vision and have enacted it so wonderfully... um, I wish that if we had had more from Wakanda and Black Panther that they would have had Ryan Coogler come in and write for them as well. Like I w- What I would have loved – and this is too many cooks in the kitchen, of course, but like <laughs> John Favreau come on in there writing for Iron Man because his – like Iron Man 1 is like king of the – vision and oh yeah you know perfection then the russo brothers and ryan coogler and taika watiti because he really Mm -hmm. represented the thor world the best and then to have james gunn on board like i want everyone in a round table and i bet this happened at some point i'm sure this has happened (laughs) that they're all just sitting around talking about it whoever i'm you know whoever they get to write black widow movie they're talking to a lot of female directors for that one and Mm -hmm. like just pitching it all around and making sure that everybody's voice is staying authentic and true to that character. Like, that's what I want to see, but that's what this feels like. Doesn't it feel like that to you?
0: Oh, absolutely. And you also have to imagine that so many of these actors are so connected to their characters.
1: Oh yeah. Who
0: have, you know, they've played them movie after movie after movie that there's got to be some adjustments that are realized by these actors as they're playing the parts and they're reading the lines and you know you could have Chris Evans say mm, I feel like S- Steve Rogers would not say this. I yeah, think I- he would say this instead. And you know I mean okay, there's right. always a lot of on the fly revisions that happen on sets anyway. And so I would definitely think that some of these actors would if if it really jumped out at them they would say yeah no that that doesn't fit my character that doesn't feel right.
1: I think definitely with Robert Downey Jr., Chris Evans, and um, with Scarlett Johansson, I think mm-hmm. the three of them, um, because Ruffalo came in a little later to the game because he, you know, he wasn't in the first Hulk movie, although he's, he's clearly has the voice down as well. But I feel like the three of them out of all of them, and I'm only cutting Thor out because his voice changed drastically in Ragnarok. So he, he. Uh, I think that he understands the character, but the characters change so much that yeah. it isn't the same as what we what we were first introduced to in Thor one. So um, his is a different example, and Hawkeye is sort of all over the place. But yeah. I think Natasha, Steve, and and um, Tony, the the actors, really have a key in on who they are, the vision that the directors that have created them have come up with probably from talking to Stan and creators of the comic books behind the scenes for years and years and years mm-hmm. and really representing them so well and being embraced so much by the fans that we trust the actor with the character.
0: Yeah.
1: Um, that their voices have just really sh- shown through it. I think you're right. I think that they probably had a lot of say and buy-in and, and just like, would they really do this? Is this accurate to the character? Even with so many cooks in the kitchen. Um, mm-hmm. I think yeah. that, you know, their input was probably hugely key to this because they just know, they just know them now. They're like friends. <laughs> <laughs> and you hear that in interviews with them when they're talking about the character. It's like, the, it's like someone they know. It's like a person yeah. that they're friends with or that they know, which is cool.
0: So, gosh, I mean, there's so much to talk about with this movie <laughs> because there are so many major characters. And I know we're just not going to hit it all. Um, one question that's kind of come into my head that I don't think we've talked about in any of the other shows and that I really haven't heard in other reviews I, obviously we've we've lost a lot Ugh. in infinity war there's so much loss which was the one that seemed to be what was the one that you felt the most what was the biggest loss to you
1: um gamora's 100% for me was just earth shattering even mm-hmm. though i knew it was coming like i could see it Coming. That yeah. didn't. That yeah. didn't diminish the impact that it mm-hmm. had when she didn't see it coming, which I really expected her to, because she's sort of one step ahead of people, warrior woman who like knows what's going to happen before it happens, sort of. So for her not to have seen that coming.
0: <laughs> well, it, it's interesting <sighs> because they definitely did telegraph it to the audience, but a lot from yeah. from the character perspective, from Gamora's perspective, she was raised with such I I mean probably at the very best she would think that it was tough love but largely she always you know Thanos always seemed to be very driven by what it was that you know by this goal by what it was that he wanted to do and that she was just a a tool to accomplish that so she she probably never felt loved um, so it probably was well, a surprise to her really <laughs> but, well you, you know I mean it's it's interesting i I bet that Thanos did genuinely have an affection for her I mean he raised her from a little girl regardless of what his intentions were but it's funny because like in a couple scenes before that soulstone scene where he threw her off the cliff there um they're they're on his ship and they're talking about the uh his throne yeah and she says i i always hated that chair and he says i know but i always wanted to i eventually wanted to see you in it yeah you know so like he was grooming her to eventually take his place to be his successor and so there's a certain amount of of love or something like it that you have to have for that person that you're gonna groom like that. But she never felt that. She never viewed it that way. Um he he kept those feelings very close for him. Um so it just it wasn't very obvious.
1: Yeah. I for me that's like a that's like a bigger conversation about like abusers and yes. the abused and is it really love that they're being given because it's not. Or- it's a twisted, mm-hmm. m- horrible version of that, and so not only did she never know what love looked like, the thing that he showed her wasn't even a, you know, isn't even close. Which is, yeah. which adds such beautiful texture to her relationship with Peter mm-hmm. and her relationship with the Guardians because being raised that way, her relationship with Nebula, which is one of my favorite parts about Guardians mm-hmm. too. Is a real strength between these two daughters who of this abuser and them coming together like and realizing that they've made enemies out of each other right. when the enemy that they've been faced with is the person who says that he loves them by making them stronger, whatever that means. Yeah. So there's like a lot of arguments of Thanos and his his showing of love. But I, mm-hmm. I would argue that I would never call it love. And that, in fact, by doing what he did, he made it harder for them to ever even experience love in other ways. That's a bigger conversation. But, I mean, I love the shading of that, especially in our time right now of Me Too and all the stuff that's happening. That, for me, took on like a really different... Um, I don't know. It just had such a different shade to it, the way that they presented it, which I thought they did a really good job with. Mm -hmm. I don't... Like, it was weird because a lot of times with abusers, you, like, are given the sympathetic, oh, but they were beaten as a kid, so don't you feel a little bad for them? And you sort of get that with Thanos. You sort of, like, are given this sort of sob story of why we... You know, he's got great motivation. He wants to save half of the... What? Like, (laughs) Okay. I don't know. That, that to me was really an interesting conversation starter for this movie being bigger than just like, that's a huge theme to deal oh, with.
0: It, oh, it really is. Because, I mean, fundamentally, Thanos's motivations are are altruistic. He wants to save the the galaxy. I mean, it's, it's, it's particular to Earth. He wants to save humanity, but, you know, all, all races and all planets but it's his implementation, which is so morally corrupt and twisted. um, It's, it's obviously completely not acceptable.
1: I even think that his motivations are sort of um, non-altruistic in a way of like, he wants revenge for the way that he was, the the pain he had inflicted on him when he was Mm -hmm. younger. He wants revenge and retribution for that. And this is his way of making sure it doesn't happen to others. Sure. But like, this is his way of balancing for himself, which is a selfish motivation in action. And you can More. see it in both ways. But for me, it really was like, he wants, he wants the balance scales balanced for himself.
0: Oh yeah. And, and he is, cause it's not only a power play for him. It's also him kind of, it's a, I think it's a validation to him because when he says, you know he proposed this on Titan, and everyone turned him down. Right. Well, now he has the power to do this through the entire galaxy, and it's validation to him.
1: Right, and it's, it's, it's validation
0: it's, to his idea that well, you know what, I I couldn't do it on my planet because I was outvoted, but I'll do it around the galaxy because I have power that no and no one can stop me, and I'm going to save people.
1: Right. And it's the most selfish, selfish like thing.
0: Yeah, because he's going to prove others wrong, even though the the people who he's proving wrong are already dead. Um, right. But it's a
1: dictator's it's, motivation to yeah. save the people and be the savior of people who don't want to be saved. And not only that, like have told you that have told you what you. It's when somebody tells you what they need, and you say, "No, I know what you need." Well, right. did you? Right. Are you really
0: <laughs> okay?
1: Yeah. I think yep. you missed something there, Thanos, my friend. exactly. um, <laughs> um but I th- I found it very interesting that this movie is Thanos's story. It's not even oh, the Avengers much. story. yeah, it's it's them. It's them having to get into crisis mode to for something that they didn't even realize was in play, which I think a lot of people are upset with how quickly we dive in. I loved that about it because I felt. That Thanos was this overwhelming presence since Avengers, you know, Mm -hmm. and so they've really set those pieces into motion for us to feel that and they but the the Avengers haven't and so why would they why wouldn't life have just continued normally and with everybody really being out in the dark about it. And then all of a sudden, when it comes to light and this shit hit the fan, you know, everybody has to brace for impact. I think a lot of people were upset by that because they wanted more exposition. But hello, if you've been watching for the last 10 years, you don't need <laughs> any of that. Um, and I loved that as an avid watcher. I was like, I don't need backstory and I want to find out what everyone's doing, like dive yeah. in with the action. And they did. Did you like that about that, Tim? Or did you feel like you wanted more?
0: You know, it's kind of both. And it's it's one of those things where you have to balance what's acceptable in a movie. Um, with two, and two to hours kind and 40 of- minutes. <laughs> yeah, exactly, and the, and to the kind of keep that action moving along, versus wow, you know there is this this gap of information that I do want to know more about, but I'm okay that it was in the movie. If you give me maybe a comic or a graphic novel or something like that in the future, that will fill that gap. Star Wars does that yeah, insanely do. well. You know, there's 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 novels and graphic novels and comics and animated series and all sorts of stuff that are filling gaps. In, in in within Star Wars and I'd like to see because like one of the things to me that happened prior to this movie was that Thanos and um the uh, uh the Black Order attacked Xandar to get the Power Stone. Yes. And so we don't see that. There's only just this brief mention that yep he attacked Xandar he got the Power Stone and that's that. So presumably, he killed half the people on Xandar, yeah. Because that's his MO. He never leaves a planet without killing half the people.
1: Nova Corps.
0: So yeah, the 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 Nova Corps got got you know
1: Glenn Close. <laughs>
0: uh, no! They got carved in half, and 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 all the the citizens of, of Xandar. Um, so having that power stone is then obviously what uh, enabled him to beat the absolute snot out of Hulk. And one thing I thought was really cool through the movie, through the entire movie, was that whenever Thanos was using the powers of a particular gem, you would see that gem on the gauntlet get brighter. Yes,
1: I liked that too.
0: I I did too. That was like this nice little indication of like he's consciously activating a particular power. And, you know, so when he's fighting back against Hulk, that purple gem is is glowing bright and he's just pounding him and pounding him and pounding him. And, you know, that that was a real significant moment where we see Hulk, who in the comics, uh, at least strength wise, not looking at other powers, but strength wise, Hulk is regarded as the strongest hero. Yeah and for thanos to just treat him like a ragdoll like hulk does with anyone else is is pretty significant.
1: Yeah. Oh. Sorry.
0: <laughs> and, and then I, I mean basically going from that same um from that same scene on the asgardian ship for me the biggest loss that I felt in the movie was losing loki.
1: Oh. That one was rough too. That's one of the. That was one of the other ones, and Heimdall. Ah.
0: And yeah, and 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 Heimdall too, who who oh. was the smartest, most aware person. Just the best that that there was, because he knew that he had to get word to Earth that this was going down, and so he sent Bruce Hulk uh, to to Earth to to to. Make sure that that people knew this. That was incredibly smart. But losing and and I I love Heimdall, especially once we see him become a total badass in Ragnarok. Uh, you know, but Loki is one of those characters who you love to now not love to hate. Hate? No, to you love. don't
1: even hate him. You just love him.
0: <laughs> yeah, it, it, it's you know he's not. I don't even think he's necessarily. He kind of. I guess he kind of straddles the anti-hero anti-villain kind of 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 area
1: he's whatever he wants to be when he wants to be it
0: well pretty much and and that's him being the the trickster and you know you know that every time he does something that he's going to screw you over and unfortunately thanos saw that coming too yeah and 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 that became you know that that was Loki's demise and uh, but all this stuff with Loki's death and Heimdall's death and the death of half the Asgardians and everything else that transpired along with well previously Thor losing his father losing his sister well he had to kill his sister uh, I mean basically Thor losing rehashed, his friends yeah losing his friends I mean Thor, Thor- has to. Lo-
1: the Warriors Three,
0: yeah. Yeah, Thor. Thor hashed through all of this with Rabbit in the movie.
1: It's the best. It's the best.
0: But uh, you know, Thor experienced a tremendous amount of loss. So for him, in the end of of toward the end of this movie, to become the absolute badass that he was,
1: like next level character. Oh
0: yeah, yeah. It was no surprise. It was absolutely I mean, no surprise.
1: Especially given that, like after Thor Two, I was like, Meh, if he. If they didn't bring back Thor, whatever. And yeah. then Ragnarok, really, I was like, oh, okay. He, he is awesome now. He is uh, like unforgettable, <laughs> awesome. And then this movie with Stormbreaker and everything, I was like, okay. He is yeah. like in the top five. No one beats Cap. That's just never going to happen. But he is yeah. like up there in like just mind-blowingly good. Um, but that does bring us to like sort of the two levels of deaths that they created because they mm-hmm. have like these permanent deaths, uh, as far as we know, um, in Loki, Heimdall, Gomorrah, and Vision, who die prior to Thanos getting all of the stones. And then you have all of these deaths that occur when he gets the stones and he enacts his vision of wanting to disappear half of the population. So we lose. Um, Black Panther, and we lose Peter, and we lose all of the Guardians except for Rocket. Um, we lose um, Bucky, and we lose Sam, and we lose, like, everybody. Yeah. Um, and now, we're basically
0: left with the original MCU Avengers. And Rocket. And Rocket.
1: And Nebula. And who, Nebula, who, who, yes. Because like, Doctor Who's Strange with disappears. Tony. Yeah. And then, of course, at the end, we see the very end credit scene. We see... Um, uh, I almost called her Robin from <laughs> Maria Hill. Um, Robin yep. Sparkles, Maria Hill, and Sam Jackson or Nick Fury. Um, Mother. And they. And they. Yeah, that part was awesome. <laughs> and they also disappear. Now, Lou was saying, Lou from on uh, random chatter. We talk with him weekly. Um, he was saying that that made the deaths not really feel permanent for him because. We know that Black Panther's getting another movie and the Guardians have Guardians 3 and Spider-Man and Spider-Man 2. Mm-hmm. So there was like a lack of permanence because like, no, 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 you're not going to get rid of T'Challa. He just made you a billion, billion, trillion, million dollars. Like there's True. just there's just no way you know that. So did that, did that lose anything for you, Tim? Because it was still really impactful for me.
0: Yeah, no, it didn't lose anything for me. It was still very impactful. I mean, yes – when we kind of bridge the movie universe to real life, we we know those things. Like you said, all those other movies that are coming out, we those are known things. So we know eventually that these characters are going to be resurrected somehow. Also, quite honestly, if if you have read or at least are somewhat familiar with the story in the comics for the Infinity Gauntlet, you know that these characters are also brought back too. Um, because basically the exact same thing happens in Infinity Gauntlet.
1: Well, and also, like we were saying, Doctor Strange had the time stone and went ahead and saw what would happen. And when he said, we're in the end game now, you know that he's not just, oh, I accidentally gave it up because I wanted to save you, Tony. Like, it's just not it. (laughs) Um, But I will say that, like, the two that really, really got me, uh, Black Panther surprised me. Um, Yeah, I was surprised by that, too. So surprised. The two that, like, really like wrenched my heart where peter and with disappearing in front of tony Mm -hmm. and bucky disappearing in front of cap because Mm -hmm. those two relationships um have played such a key role and spider-man's is newer obviously but from the moment that he came into civil war and the way that and the way that like tony has taken him under his wing and really been like a mentor and sort of a father figure to him Um, that part was just heartbreaking and seeing like how Peter felt he had left, he had let Tony down in the midst of that. And then for Cap to see Bucky disappear when everything Cap's done since first Avenger is been to try to save Bucky, whether it's from the Nazis, whether it's on the train or whether it's from himself. Mm -hmm. Um, so to see everything that he's been working for basically disappear in front of his eyes and for him to look so defeated, just. Oh, that part just broke my heart. And I was like, yeah. that's my boyfriend. Now, my boyfriend needs me.
0: <laughs> now, I don't know what Zoe Seldana's contract uh, looks like. but I know. I'm thinking that Gamora is going to kind of also be lumped in with the people who were disappeared. If you were, well, because her death was associated with Thanos getting the soul sum.
1: Well, and we see her as a kid. In the soul plane, we right. sort of see her interacting with Thanos afterwards, which sort yeah. of gives you the thought. Although how powerful? I mean, I don't want her to be gone. I would be very upset. Oh, I don't either. Her performance was next level good. Yeah, like and that I love where,
0: Gamora. I think oh. Gamora is a great character, and she's had a really great journey from being, you know, her first appearance in the first Guardians, where basically she was this stoic badass assassin and through her relationship with the other guardians
1: coming family real yeah. family
0: and 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 also her more romantic relationship with with Quill she's really she's loosened up and so like in the be- toward the beginning of this movie as as you know of course we usually see the guardians there's there's music playing And Gamora's there singing along with the music and tapping her foot. And that, like, we from the first movie, we would never see that. She's like, What's, why would I dance? No, I'm not going to dance. She was totally not into it. But here, she's just, she's gotten looser. She's gotten more comfortable. She's kind of found herself. And, you know, and, and we also kind of see that damage that was done from her upbringing with Thanos you know, she lost her childhood and then Thanos raised her to be this stoic badass assassin that doesn't have fun. Yeah. And now, you know, she's in her adult life and she's having to kind of relearn all that stuff.
1: Well, yeah, you sort of see, see how she's been healing from that um, and how experiencing true family Through her relationship, I really love um, her relationship with Drax, which feels very much like siblings to me, Mm -hmm. like brother and sister, Um, and how they've really created, uh, you know, baby Groot and adolescent Groot to sort of be the kid of everybody, and Drax to be like her brother, and Gamora and (laughs) Quill to have the relationship, and then Quill and Rocket to be like brothers. So they've really set the whole thing up to be this amazingly... I feel like Drax is sort of like a weird uncle to Peter. That's like the relationship I see for them. Oh, Um, yeah, yeah. Right? Like a sort of a weird uncle with the weirdest advice. They're always like, okay, thanks, Uncle Drax. (laughs) Okay. I've trained Um, myself
0: to stand incredibly still.
1: (laughs) It makes me invisible to everyone. (laughs) Like you can't see me eating this. (laughs) Um, (laughs) Or or like when he in, in Guardians 2 when he's like, some people dance and some people don't. And, you know, like, go find someone else, Quill, <laughs> yeah. basically. Like, weird Uncle Drax's advice. Like, the way that they set the five of them up to – and now more because because Mantis has eggs, joined the Guardians. Um, yep.
0: And she's but, great because she's just so naive to everything and she's hilarious.
1: She's uh, so beautifully I mean, innocent.
0: Oh, yeah. 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 And, and And it's funny because I was wondering in this movie, like – what in the world is her role gonna be? I mean,
1: oh, she, her role she's, was so she's good. not
0: she's not a fighter, and so we got to see. I mean, there's two characters who we got to see the incredible power of in this movie, and they are both magic users, but in a very different
1: yeah. way. Oh, yes, that was amazing. You know,
0: I mean, we got to see, and and like that's one of the greatest things to me of these group movies uh these ensemble movies is that not just seeing all these characters and seeing them interact but seeing them use their powers together in a cooperative fashion yeah so like with dr Strange, particularly on titan the big thing for him and he did a number of different things but the thing that was used the most was his portals and so you know that's where mantis was able to drop in on top of thanos that was, was so cool. with a portal. And the, the Spider-Man thing, you know, with magic, more magic, magic with a kick. Yeah. <laughs> and as he's just popping in and out of portals and Quill did it and I think probably everyone or almost everyone who was there did it. Well, but then it on really, Earth, oh, go ahead.
1: I was going to say, it really highlights them working together, which is I think what everybody was waiting to see is how do their powers interact? Yes. And so to see them work in that way in context and you see and so continue on earth you see it on earth too
0: yeah and you know you you certainly see a lot of that i mean and it was great that it was kind of everything was built around t'challa and and his forces mm-hmm. uh the dora Milaje, the um but uh, uh, Mabaku's tribe and Shuri and her tech and Shuri. And, and yeah. So all these different things kind of came together and then all the Avengers and, and other folks who came into it, just kind of pigeonholed in, uh, you know, really interesting. We saw Bruce Banner fighting. That was awesome. <laughs> you know, I, in the Hulkbuster, in the Hulkbuster, which was just so appropriate. And, uh, and, you know, so we got to see him fight and, and, Largely, he wasn't that effective, but he did kind of figure out some cool stuff. Um, Hulk apparently has been scared out of his ass and he's not going to come out.
1: I love the parts where he's like, no. (laughs) And he's like, what do you mean, no?
0: (laughs) And, you know, unfortunately, I, I think the writers very intentionally had to keep Wanda out of stuff. Because she, just like Doctor Strange, is insanely powerful. And if she was out on the battlefield more, you would have – I mean, the I don't think the writers were able to figure out what in the world to do with her. So I think they had to hold her back with Vision for as long as they did. And then, you know, and then very quickly, I mean, they separated for a small amount of time. And then very quickly, it was Wanda back with Vision again. As she's dealing with him and his stone and Thanos. And well, they <laughs> had not- to keep her focused on they had to keep her vision on vision. Haha. <laughs> uh-huh. Um just be I mean, she is just so crazy powerful. And I think unfortunately the writers had to figure out a way around that.
1: Well, I think they did a good job. The romance between Vision and Wanda sort of sets it up for her to want to protect Mm -hmm. him. And since her powers come from an Infinity Stone, it would make sense that she would use them to destroy an Infinity Stone. And the other thing that I loved is when Okoye was like, why has she been up there the whole time? Why wasn't she fighting? And it's funny but that they, they do acknowledge
0: out. that in the movie, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, because seriously, I mean, she her, and it's and it's neat because her powers and Strange's powers are very, very different. And I'm hoping at some point in the future of the MCU, the two of them are going to come together because I want to see, Ooh. you know, for as much as I want to see like Tony and Shuri talk about tech stuff. I want to see Strange and Scarlet Witch talk about magic stuff.
1: Or the fact that they both, they're both infinity stone powers, like, you know, his time stone power and, and the sorcery and hers is directed with the mind stone. Yeah. You know, her powers come from the mind stone.
0: Originally, yeah. Yeah. Right.
1: So it's Um, interesting to see that dynamic play out between them. There's there. What other pairings are you looking for? Cause okay. So I saw a YouTube video that said like one of the reasons why we, we know that it isn't the end and that we're going to get what we want is that it's Avengers. And we never had that epic, like huge sweeping shot of everybody. Right. We mm -hmm. didn't see Tony and caps reunion. We didn't see the big circle shot of all the Avengers fighting or all the guardians, which we've gotten in every other big, crossover movie even Thor Ragnarok you have that shot of them on the bridge Mm -hmm. with the four with the revengers (laughs) (laughs) um and and the YouTube video was like uh so don't think we're not going to get that we will we just haven't got it yet and so like that leads us to think that we'll have the chance to see some pairings that we haven't seen yet so what are you looking forward to seeing that's jumping ahead I know but I but I can't stop thinking about like I want Shuri and Peter Parker in a room and, and Tony, um, Doctor Strange and Scarlet Witch. Is there anyone else mm-hmm. that you're thinking of for um, or that you just want to see together?
0: I, You know, I think that Hulk and Drax.
1: Oh, my gosh. That would be a good one. I, I,
0: I think they would be a lot of fun together because you just have your two, you know, muscle heads. And, and especially now with Talking Hulk, yes. I, I I, I think that they would Laquacious play off of each Hulk. other pretty well. I think they'd be fun. You know, Spider-Man and Black Panther. Who Ooh, have yeah. teamed up in the comics so many times. And, you know, so you have two uh, athletic characters who have strength abilities and, and that kind of stuff. And, and I think they would be really cool to see fight together. We really only got to see a teeny tiny bit of that in, um, in Civil, Civil War. War.
1: Well, and they really didn't have much interaction. So even no, very little. though they were on the same team and in the same movie, they really didn't have a lot of interaction with each other. Yeah, um, uh,
0: I think Gamora and Black Widow fighting together uh, uh, would just be sick. I, I mean, they, you, you've got the two most deadly ladies in this entire universe, um, at least per- pertinent to their fighting style. And I could just imagine the two of them, you know, back to back, taking on this onslaught of like dozens of enemies and just cutting them all down to ribbons. I would just be awesome.
1: I will say, like, I really liked the pairing of Black Widow and Okoye and that one part when they're fighting yes. together. It's sort of on par with that. But that really was like an unexpected pairing I didn't even know that I desperately wanted. And I, yeah. <laughs> I was like, yes. Or that part when... Um, when you know Scarlet Witch is gonna get killed by one of the black order members or is threatening her and then she's mm-hmm. like, You're all alone and Black Widow's like, She's not alone yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Which made me the way she said it made me think of her voicing <clears throat> of Ka in um the Jungle Book because it's off screen and it just sounds very snake like mm. and I was like, Oh yeah. Yeah. Jungle Book Um So I loved that pairing and like sort of them coming in with Scarlet Witch and working together. That part was awesome.
0: I I think if they show any bits of, I I mean, eventually everyone needs to kind of reunite. So you have Tony and Nebula who are out on Titan and they either need to get back to Earth or everyone on Earth needs to get up to Titan. Yeah. I want to see some interaction between Tony and Nebula because I think (gasps) from an intellectual perspective – Tony has got to be fascinated with Nebula. Yeah. And, you know, with the 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 tech, the whole cyborg thing, the, you know, her abilities, he's like, that's something that would absolutely fascinate Tony. So I would love to see some of that interaction too. Um, I mean, there's just, there's so many possibilities. And of course, it's tough because you don't get... The, the, the screen time is obviously really limited when you have this many people. Uh, of course, we're going to be able to capitalize on some of that, at least in the first act, maybe the first two acts of Avengers 4, because now we don't have as many people that have to be worked on right? <laughs> for, for a period of time. So, you know, we'll see what happens. But presumably, we're also going to see uh, Hawkeye be reintroduced into things. We're going to see Ant-Man and Wasp introduced into this, uh Captain Marvel introduced into this.
1: I miss Nakia. I was sad she didn't have a like wasn't just at least like there.
0: Yeah. Like just yeah. around. <laughs> and and I'm see, I'm also wondering about Adam Warlock. And I know that James Gunn has said that Warlock isn't gonna show until um Guardians three, which is after the event. Uh after Avengers Four.
1: But just doesn't make but, sense.
0: Yeah, because Warlock in, in the comics, and I know they have changed so much from the comics, so to to be dependent on the comic storyline is not completely sound logic, but
1: Adam Warlock- Why would Warlock, they introduce him?
0: Yeah, Adam Warlock is the one who beat Thanos. He is the one who is able to wield, because no one else was able to uh, uh sanely and soundly wield the power of, of the Infinity Gauntlet. Um, in the comics, uh, Nebula did and was immediately overwhelmed by it. She she put the gauntlet on, she was able to do one thing, and then she was totally overwhelmed by its power.
1: Well, and the fact that he's introduced in Guardians 2 just makes you think that that's where they're going with it.
0: Yeah. So I just have to wonder how they're going to build that bridge, because it would also be very awkward in avengers 4 to just say oh hey here's adam warlock oh wow total badass beat thanos that movie's done that's (laughs) just that's really weird so you would think that you would have a story arc with adam warlock leading into it so i just don't know
1: thinking about the fact that the gauntlet is destroyed like the gauntlet was destroyed in a way i mean it's not significantly
0: damaged but
1: Right, which I don't, but I think that something would happen to restore it in order for anyone to reverse the effects. So I don't think it's going to be just as easy as defeating Thanos because it's not just Thanos by himself. You know what yeah. I mean? Which is interesting. Anyway, that's jumping ahead. Back to one point we were saying about Nebula and Tony. The other thing I like about them together is the fact that they're both these like intensely broken
0: oh, people. Yeah. yeah,
1: you know, like Nebula is the victim of abuse. Tony has. Um, Tony has like this psychological uh, abuse that's been going on, mm-hmm. you know, whether it's from Obadiah and the terrorism and the PTSD. His, own, his PTSD and his, all of that that mm-hmm. has led to this. So, him being paired, two very, very angry people a lot we see, um, yeah. being the only two people on that planet, I think is a brilliant move on Infinity Wars part because that is something, another pairing I didn't even know I wanted to see um oh, that I'm me excited neither. to see play out.
0: Yeah. I I hadn't even considered it and it's like well they, they put the two of them together so we're right. going to see some we're going to see them interact hopefully.
1: Right. And that's the cool thing about having a cast of this magnitude is was like it's like the O'Koye Black Widow pairing like mm-hmm. little things that you didn't expect to see were really present and Yeah. I feel like everyone really got a really beautiful moment to shine. Um, obviously some more than others, some play keyer parts, but I really did feel like I got a touch point with Bucky, a touch point with Shuri, a touch point with Peter, a touch point with Mantis, you know, some characters I didn't really think were going to play a major role. Um, Mm -hmm. and they really like the rock. Okay. The rocket Groot Thor pairing though (laughs) (laughs) was the other thing that I just didn't realize I needed in my life
0: it was it was fantastic and it, you know of, of course Groot was just kind of the 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 teenager who ah. really didn't come about in this movie until the the last act but ah. the whole thing between Rocket and Thor was just fantastic yeah yeah it it, it was it was unbeatable i mean i got to say to to an extent their storyline to get stormbreaker was Maybe a touch of a distraction, and I think it could have been cut down a bit.
1: Yeah, but I loved it.
0: and Oh, yeah. <laughs> I, I, I loved it, too. So, <laughs> you know, I mean, I, and I was going to ask before we, and we do need to start wrapping up the episode, but I was going to ask, like, what were your favorite and least favorite things from the movie? And, and I I think that oh, that gosh. particular storyline, and it's not that I didn't like it but I just didn't like it as much as the rest of the movie. And I thought it could have been tweaked a little bit. Um, that whole Thor rocket group trip for, for Stormbreaker just it, it it needed to be tweaked a little bit for me or maybe cut down. I think that was probably my least favorite part of the movie. Um, and again, that's not to say I didn't like it because I did like it and I thought it was great. And the interaction was just hilarious. But and what, the what, use what about, Peter
1: Dinklage in there was as like a giant. Oh so, yeah, as as a
0: I giant really, dwarf. I love that amazing. that irony. It yeah, <laughs> it is fantastic.
1: Yeah. What, what um, was what was
0: your least favorite part of the movie?
1: I didn't have one. <laughs> mm. Other than the heartbreaking part, other than not okay, other than um, no or Korg. Um, I think the lack of characters for me was like it left me just being like, where are they? Where's Nakia? She'd be mm-hmm. here with T'Challa. It's just she wouldn't not be here. And you know, and even with a little touch, the nod to like, oh, Scott and Clint are under house arrest. I was like, I get it. Like you only have so much time to work with, but I don't care. They they would be here. They would break house arrest. Just the <laughs> way that Cap and the group went home because that's where they belonged. Right. And. You know, I just don't think – I just – I get that Valkyrie and Korg might, like, take the rest of the Asgardians to safety after having been saved by Thanos. Like, half the Asgardians were killed. He got what he wanted. The rest were freed. Whatever. I get that part. But it's, like, the missing characters, I was like, no, they'd be here. They would just be here. Yeah. So I get it. I understand the reasoning, but they would be here, so it doesn't matter. So your reasoning is dead to me. <laughs> <laughs> I will say, if Winston Duke had disappeared, I really would have my heart would have broken, and he didn't, so it's okay. <laughs> we're we're good over here. The kids are all right. That's right. <laughs> yeah. So, what uh, was your favorite part?
0: Oh gosh, um, top five
1: favorite moments. Is <laughs> that one favorite part? It was one favorite part.
0: Yeah, you know, I gotta,
1: possible.
0: I gotta say, probably. I mean there's a lot of competition for favorite part. I I think that the uh the early battle when Ebony Maw and oh, who was the big dude was that Corvus Glaive?
1: Uh, I think so. I um, don't know them all by heart yet.
0: When when they came to um
1: Supergiant or Proxima Midnight? I don't know which ones are which. I just know Ebony Ma. <laughs> um.
0: Yeah, when they came to to Earth for the first time and went for uh, the time stone, mm. and so it was strange. And Banner, who couldn't change into Hulk, and Wong, and Tony, oh. and then eventually Peter came into it. And I just I like that battle. Uh, that particular scene, that street that they were on um, that is that's the set that I got to see when oh, I was yay. when I was in Atlanta so it was cool that that was so early in the movie. And like when I the first time seeing the movie, I'm like, oh, that's the set there it is like I was really excited about that. but I just I love that because that was kind of the first awkward. Action scene that that transpired amongst them, where you got to see Tony's new armor, and Tony gets to see uh, that what the wizards can do, and that part was awesome. <laughs> and and you know the the then when Peter comes into it, the stuff that he was doing. So like, I really i like that because that was just kind of that first introductory piece, at least for this handful of characters. And it was a really great battle, and you just got to see, like, you know, Ebony Maw is just crazy powerful, and it didn't matter with
1: his like powers.
0: Oh yeah, whatever was thrown at him, you know, he's able, he's able to to counter with barely a thought, and then you know, he takes all the rubble and bricks from the streets and makes them into little, you know, pointy projectiles and sends them after Doctor Strange, and just you know, really, really cool stuff. It was, it was an awesome battle.
1: Yeah, someone was trying to put their finger on like what who Ebony Maw reminded them of, and I think he reminds me of Voldemort.
0: Voldemort. Oh, 100%. Yeah. yeah. The the, right? the, he's, the face is is almost exact like the no nose.
1: Yeah, but he's got this like floaty char- characterization yeah. that he moves <laughs> real smoothly and like his movements are so just like that sort of like creepy Voldemorty sort of thing, which yep. I really liked about him was super creeped out by him. Yeah. Creeped. Yeah. Um, I, I,
0: I and I like that character yeah. a lot. You know, he was kind of the you know essentially as the the leader of the um uh of, of the Black Order. Thanos. Yeah. So how about you? What was your favorite scene? Your favorite
1: quote? Uh, can a man choose between the stars and the sky Tim? <laughs> Do you know what quote that's from? That's from the Ten Commandments. You failed. Uh. Charlton Heston. <laughs> <laughs> I missed movie quotes, so I had to add one in there. Okay, that's right. Um, I think this. Okay, all of all of them, but also, um, <laughs> all, all of no. Okay, I have one. I do have one. It isn't all of them. Okay, Cap's introduction when when um, Vision and Wanda are in mm. danger from the Black Order, and yep. Cap and Natasha and everybody and Sam come in. So not expecting them to come in at that part because the way it sets it up in the trailer is when you really think that that's when uh, T'Challa says, "Give that man a shield." Is that whole scene when he walks out of the shadows? Yeah. So when yep. it was him behind the bus, I was like, ee! like yeah. I just freaked out and like it, like my heart soared, and like seeing so the the way that the guardians are a family is how I really think of Cap. Sam, Bucky, and Natasha. And Bucky is only because of his relationship with Cap. But it's really Sam, Natasha, and and um, Cap that have become, like, this fighting unit, especially out of mm-hmm. coming out of Winter Soldier, um, even though they were on different sides in Civil War. So the three of them together and the way that they really work as a unit, like, they're throwing the thing back and catching it, and, you, and like, they just yeah. have this, like, camaraderie in the way that they fight that I was so happy to see. It made me so just joyous to watch um badassery like nobody's business um and just i think that part really stuck with me and i was like really expecting it like anticipating it in the second viewing i was like where is it give it to me (laughs) i want more of that
0: um yeah yeah
1: so that part really like just stuck in my brain because i was it was really unexpected like when the bus goes by and you see somebody's in the shadows, I really thought it was like another bad guy. I thought it was another one of the black order and that, that something was really going to happen to Wanda and vision in that part. So for it to have been, um, the a team, (laughs) um, and then leading them to the part where, you know, Tony's going to call and caps like, we have to go home. And, and that whole, like the themes that were really rolling out from civil war that had been set up, just really resonated with me and just made it, Oh, that part. Yeah, that
0: you know. part for sure. Okay. When you mentioned unexpected, probably the most unexpected moment in the entire movie was the Red Skull. Oh! I mean, <gasps> I never saw that coming. I mean, you know, that other things amazing. that were kind of surprising could be reasoned through, but Red oh! Skull, I was like, what the hell?
1: <laughs> that was amazing. Oh, yeah.
0: Yeah. Mind in blown. Fact-
1: yeah, when I went back and watched Cap 1, like, right afterwards, I was watching it with my my niece and nephew in California and their mom.
0: Mm-hmm. And
1: I was like, you guys pay attention.
0: I can't <laughs> say anything.
1: I don't want to ruin it, but pay attention to everyone. Yeah. It's really important.
0: That was, like, that was <gasps> wow. mind-blowingly cra- Like, wow. And it was great being in, you know, the night of the premiere PAC theater, super fans. Who, you know, we're all clapping and cheering and everything at the right points through the movie. And when that happens, like, everyone in the room was like, what? It was crazy. It was absolutely crazy.
1: Oh, that – I mean – what See, this is what we're talking about in that Marvel doesn't leave those gaps unless it's 100% necessary. Like Hawkeye definitely should have been in the Winter Soldier, but it wasn't possible. And Lady mm-hmm. Sif should have been in the Ragnarok, but it wasn't possible. Like some stuff transcends being able to make something happen. But things like this just show you the threads that they have put into place and the, they're doing the best that they can yeah. with the biggest scope that they can possibly have over a ten year nineteen movie verse. Yeah. That it that just was like next level to me. I was like, ah like never expected Red Skull in yeah. a million years to be like guardian of the soul plane. Like yeah. Oh, what?
0: Yeah, I mean the I mean these are intentional ah. actions that oh. the writers and uh, Feige are are doing is they're creating these massive story arcs and it's just it's incredible it's absolutely oh, incredible
1: magical like ma- magical yeah
0: all right so I we've like truly only scratched the surface of this so I, you know definitely join us in the other podcasts across random chatter you're going to hear more about infinity war definitely join Liz and I uh, together with John over on Guardians of the MCU where like i said uh you know we we just did infinity war part 1 of 72
1: <laughs> because we
0: are just going to continue going through all of this stuff and and it it's neat that as we're now like 3 weeks or so past the movie we're getting little tidbits on social media you know James Gunn talks about what Groot's you know last words were to Rocket and um you know little revelations here and there by the writers and the directors and the producers of little things and giving us hints and filling in little gaps and it's just it's just incredible to see how all this stuff pulls together and takes shape so there's always going to be a lot to talk about and uh, yeah i i i Liz and I both plugged Guardians of the MCU quite a bit on this show because that's what it's, you know, we're talking Infinity War here and we're gonna talk a lot of Infinity War there. So
1: Yeah. Yeah, I, and we I, just I can't we really say,
0: we'll... I can't say more about it. I don't know.
1: <laughs> yeah. No, we really will be diving in across different platforms. I mean, it's just there's just so much to unpack and we can only uh, we're trying to keep them to an hour for you guys, but we can yeah. definitely go longer. <laughs> Soon as scratch the surface, yeah. Tim is right. Like we will be, and and me, you know, social media would definitely be talking about it too. Yeah, yeah. Elizabeth, yeah. Come on. Final thoughts.
0: No, you. You. I'm
1: not doing. I can't. It's you have to a thousand. These are million. the
0: damn rules.
1: A million, trillion, billion.
0: That's that's not part of this.
1: 10 Chris Evans faces
0: you're, you're, mine. You have to do a letter grade or you have to do number scale or something like that that is reasonable and accepted by everyone in the world.
1: A plus plus plus. Crazy. All Three right. pluses. Now, hey, I gave you a letter, mister. <laughs> 12 million and an A plus 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 equals
0: uh i i am i'm i'm it's definitely an a it may even be somewhere around an a plus um it it's 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 really good i mean i'm still absorbing i'm still processing it's that big of a movie but i loved it and i was entertained and i thoroughly enjoyed every bit of it and i would say that it was near flawless i mean there are little things here and there that i would adjust but It it was just damn good.
1: It It really was. was. Oh, I I did forget to say that I really liked that Pepper was in there because I was worried about Pepper not, like, you know, I know that out of Spider Man, they, you know, with the proposal and everything, but I've loved that Pepper was in it. So that's just one more side note. Yeah,
0: I was pretty convinced that she was going to be in it when we saw her in Homecoming. And to tell you the truth, I was surprised that she was in Homecoming. I thought Gwyneth Paltrow was done.
1: I know, well, especially after um, Civil War when they've broken up and, you know, things aren't good. But final thing before we close off is that I really feel like they did a lot of these really beautiful, quieter moments. Like the moment when Tony's talking about his dream about having kids with Pepper. Mm -hmm. um, Or like between Gamora and Peter, even though they break it with humor. There's a a lot of beautiful, beautiful moments. Or like even Thor really talking about what Loki meant to him. To rock it. Like you really get the sense for the loss and the feelings that are existing. It's not just a big action-y rock'em sock'em movie. There's these intimate moments between characters too, which I really love. So that's just my final thoughts about it.
0: Yeah. Yeah. No, there's there's so much depth to this and there's so much to talk about. So much. Uh, So folks, we're real excited. We're also real excited about our next episode, uh, which is going to be on Solo, a Star Wars story.
1: And the premiere is literally happening tonight. Every my entire feed is just like everybody <laughs> at the solo premiere. Apparently, the Millennium Falcon was like blocking Hollywood Boulevard.
0: Yes, yes.
1: Um, it was like parked in the middle of the Hollywood Boulevard, so they everyone's at the premiere. So I'm getting jazzed to talk Star Wars, even though I'm not particularly. I don't know how I feel about Solo, but I'm excited to talk about it.
0: I I'm excited for the you know for the story. I think the story will be fine. Um. But what excites me the most is kind of the continued world building of the Star Wars universe and the new aliens and the new ships and, you know, just kind of expanding upon the the, the stuff that we have and the stuff that we know. And I think it will also be a fun movie. If anything, yeah. it's just going to be fun. Um, I'm not looking for a super serious movie. This isn't going to have the weight of Rogue One. It's it's I think it's just going to be a fun movie. Uh, well, I'm yeah. sure it will have its serious moments. I'm just looking to have a good time with it. So it's interesting because I'm not, this is a movie that as a really big Star Wars fan, I don't expect to get really Star Wars-y about.
1: Yeah, no, if, that's if, how I if feel, that, which is why I'm conflicted.
0: Yeah, like if that makes any sense, I, I just, I want to go and watch it and have a good time.
1: I'm actually going to Star Wars Galactic Nights at Disney that weekend, so it's going to be like all Star Wars that weekend. Oh, yeah. It's going to be pretty big. Uh, that that should
0: be a lot of fun. That should be yeah. a lot of fun. So, so that'll yeah. be
1: our next one. Yes, yeah,
0: so that's going to be our next show. Uh, I, I mean, as far as big movies, next week we have um, Deadpool coming out, and, and Liz and I did talk about covering Deadpool, uh, but that's so close on, on the heels of what we're doing here, so... We are going to put uh, at least another week in between with a Solo, a Star Wars story.
1: Plus, Tim was really worried about my language, that I might go all Deadpool on you guys. And so we have to really censor That's old right. Izzy over here. That's right. Might drop a couple words that would not be safe for a little ears. That's right. The red band episode. <laughs>
0: So, folks, please maybe for
1: Patreon donors, Tim.
0: Exactly. So, folks, please send us your feedback uh, on this episode, on the entire series. What were your thoughts on Infinity War? You can send us email, uh, movie rampage at randomchatter.com.
1: You can also find us online at Twitter um, for at movie rampage pod for this particular podcast, at random chatter for our network and other shows um, individually. Tim, where are you on the Twittersville?
0: Uh, at Qui Gon Tim. That's Tim with two Ms.
1: And I am at Nerd in the City. You can also find Random Chatter and me on Instagram. Um, I am at at Nerd in the City. Random Chatter is at Random Chatter. And you can find all of the rest of our shows at RandomChatter.com. As we've mentioned, we have a lot going on in there, like Guardians of the MCU, like Fangirl Confessional, like Random Chatter, Flagship Podcast, and a bevy of other ones, Echo Base, if you want to talk Star Wars. Tim's on that one. Um... I don't even know all of the names of them because we have so many now, which is great. <laughs> We're an expanding, uh, constantly expanding. So go to randomchatter.com for all the newest information and podcasts uh, on the network.
0: Yeah, we are expanding and growing quite a bit. Uh, in fact, even where you can find us has has expanded. So you can find all the Random Chatter shows now uh, across all the major platforms, iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher. Uh, I think there are even one or two more that, that Eric uh, got the feeds going on. This past week, so like you can find us everywhere. Definitely helps. Uh, I mean, we're still a pretty new podcast here, even though we're part of uh, of, of a nice, good-sized network with random chatter. But uh, with all this growth, we do still like to get in more, more and more listeners. So please be sure to tell your friends, your family, your coworkers, anyone, uh, especially with movie rampage, anyone who you know who likes movies and they like to listen to movie reviews and some different perspectives on, on movies, uh, please steer them our way. And if you listen to any of our other shows that Liz mentioned, uh, you know, you make referrals to folks with that too. If, if you have friends who like Star Wars and you listen to Echo Base, please let them know about Echo Base or, or anything else that, that we have here. Uh, we also definitely appreciate some financial support. With all that growth, it, it does come at a price, uh, we do have to pay data storage fees and web hosting fees and that kind of stuff. Uh, in fact, we just had to change around some things with our, with our data storage platform, which uh, is costing us money. We, I just had to shuffle some things around in the, uh, the Random Chatter account to, to be able to pay for that uh, a few days ago. So if you head over to randomchatter.com Patreon, you can find out how you can contribute to us financially. That's our minimum contribution is a dollar a month. You might not think that makes a big difference. It actually makes a huge difference. That's $12 a year just from you. And crowdsourcing, we get a whole bunch of those. So that adds up quite a bit. Of course, you can give more. You can give two, three. But if you hit the benchmarks, five, 10, 15, 20, when you go to randomchatter.com Patreon, you'll see uh, basically what you get. So for everything that you give to us, we give back to you. That dollar a month will get you full access to our Discord community, which is where we have all sorts of discussion with our hosts and staff and and a lot of fans on a variety of topics. Uh, We do have a public lobby out there, so that's open to anyone. If you go to randomchatter.com slash Discord, you can join us in our public lobby. We also just recently expanded that to all of our show-specific chat rooms. So, for example, we have a, a chat room in there uh, for random, for Movie Rampage. So if you want to talk about our latest episode, you'll have free and open access to that. Uh, or for Random Chatter or for Fangirl Confessional, you can go into any of those rooms. If you want to see any of the other stuff that we have going on, which we're talking about very specific movies, we're talking about TV shows, uh, we're talking about pets, we're talking about food, we're talking about all sorts of things. We have spoiler rooms, we have non-spoiler rooms. It's cra- There's like over 50 rooms in there, I think. Um, that dollar a month will get you access to all of that. If you contribute more, you get to the 5, the 10, the 15. Not only do you get the Discord access, but you will also get access to exclusive content. You'll be able to participate in certain things with hosts. Uh, we, we occasionally do hosted events and we bring fans into them. You'll get early access to certain shows. You'll get access to to some of the bonus content that we record that kind of stuff things are that that are a lot of fun so again random slash patreon we definitely appreciate your sponsorship because that's what it really is so our, our listeners are our sponsors thank you
1: true and the music you hear on this podcast is by bearded audio
0: and there it is folks uh thank you once again for joining us here on movie rampage we will catch you next time with Solo A Star Wars Story. So in the meantime, go out and watch the movies.